Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here today with Sharon Raikov, Senior Director of Genomic Solutions at Gene Limited. How are you doing today, Sharon? Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for spending some time with us on Business Ninjas. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, my pleasure. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and about Enargene. Okay, so I'll start with myself. Um, my name is Sharon. Um, I was born and raised in Israel in a kibbutz, uh, in a dairy farm, um, uh, very uh, uh, close to agriculture. Uh, when I came to an age of going to the university, I went to study animal science and then went on to a PhD in uh, qualitative genetics and uh, system biology. Um, and then I went on for, I think, uh, for the past uh, 12 uh, years, uh, working in different um, ag tech companies in Israel. And I still work for such a company today, although for the last year and a half, I've been working out of Brooklyn, New York, instead of uh, uh, from Israel. Um, that's me. About Energin, Energin is, um, as I said, an ag tech company um, uh, founded uh, in Israel in 2010, um, but uh, that now uh, has um, uh, a Canadian subsidiary loca located in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. Um, the main business uh, was and is uh, for energy in um, the uh, deployment and use, utilization of genomics in breeding in agriculture. And when I say breeding, uh, I, I want to say that from the beginning, I do not mean genetic modification, GMO, transgenics. It's basically uh, applying um, a more structured way uh, to do whatever uh, mankind has been doing to plants and animals since the beginning of uh, history, which is selecting better genetic combinations that fit um, uh, a certain need. Uh, you can look around you and see all the domesticated uh, animals and plants um, uh, around you are, are, are very different than the one than their wild relatives, and this is because uh, man has either uh, accidentally or deliberately chosen the ones that are better performing for uh, the use of mankind. Um, what Energin is doing is basically um, taking this to the realm of um, AI and big data, uh, meaning nowadays you do not have to uh, spend a lot of time and effort um, making observations, me meaning looking at, uh, at um, a natural variety and seeing if it fits something or not. You can actually predict it using DNA tests uh, of different kinds. You can um, uh, foresee the what we call the phenotype, the uh, observed outcome, and therefore you can actually develop better varieties, faster, cheaper, and maybe even imagine um, uh, things that you, you wouldn't necessarily have come by 
by just uh, a, a trial and error, which is the more traditional way of doing breeding. And that's, a, that's a very important distinction, especially in terms of perception. You know, the, the consumers see those words GMO and, you know, there's a, a, a tremendous alarm. So there, there is no modification going on. This is just uh, the modern evolution of natural selection, in effect. Exactly. Um, exactly. So uh, we can also spend some time speaking about G is GMO as bad as it seems, but I, I think it's not the focus of this talk, and it's also not what energy is doing. So we can we can leave that to a, another time. <laughs> leave that for another time. Um, so who does energy work with? Are you, are you working with the large agricultural companies, and, and who who are your customers? So. Um, let me start by saying that one of our major customers is Energy. Uh, we've been, um, at the beginning, we've been actually working with those uh, big ag companies, seed companies, also CPGs, some, some companies that you, you know their brand uh, from your um, grocery store, but have a dependency on natural uh, sources and therefore has a built-in interest in making it uh, uh, better, more sustainable, uh, better quality, or other attributes that they are after. Uh, we've been working with um, a triple-digit number of customers for a, a lot of years, doing multiple projects. And uh, I, I believe about two or three years ago, we've made the decision to actually use the same tools that we've provided as services to actually uh, develop products of our own, hmm. uh, either all the way, like those CPGs, to a brand that you see in your store or somewhere closer to the, uh, to the final product. So we are now, uh, we are still servicing, uh, we are still providing service per fee, but we are also in the business of developing our own varieties, our own um, IP, uh, which is uh, becoming more and more the focus of what we currently do. Excellent. And, and is this mostly in the context of grains or is it also fruits and vegetables? What are you working on? Anything you can imagine. So grains or what uh, seed companies would call raw crops is mm -hmm. definitely something that corn, maize, uh, soybean, canola, wheat, uh, and other uh, such uh, organisms like the nice wheat <laughs> field in my background. Um, and, uh, but also vegetables and fruits and um, even insects and animals and fish and uh, uh, um, source of fiber, um, meaning textile, like the cotton um, clothes that we all wear, uh, rubber, anything that I've said until now, we've, we've done, we've worked and still are working on. So, Excellent. And, and is this a completely international project, meaning you're working with companies from all over the globe, or is it fairly geospecific? Um, we, we've worked uh, in all, all, all continents but uh, Antarctica. Um, <laughs> if, if you can uh, grow wheat in Antarctica, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that could be a challenge. Um, <laughs> uh, we have worked uh, along the years with 
all geographies, but we do have a few focus points working uh, primarily out of Israel, then Israel and the Mediterranean is one focal point. Um, and another would be, would be Canada, um, where a lot of the grains that we all consume are actually being developed and, and grown. Uh, but uh, amongst our um, strategic partners, we also have global entities and also um, uh, companies that are based in the Far East. So uh, we're pretty global. Excellent. And, and what is the origin story? I, I, I know you said that you, it, energy began in 2010, is that correct? What, what's the origin story of the company? So um, originally it was a, um, solely an R&D company that was uh, providing services for specific seed companies that were owned by, by one um, ag company, ag chemical company that was based out of Israel. Um, after that uh, company was purchased by a larger uh, company, Energin and other um, seed enterprises were uh, basically um, made free to work with whoever uh, uh, needs its solutions. And then we had actually a very interesting ride. There was a challenge to produce the first reference sequence. A reference sequence is one um, I, I would say um, uh, map of an entire genome. A genome is the total sequence of letters of DNA uh, comprising an individual of a certain species. And one of the main challenges that uh, the scientific world had a few years back uh, was to produce the, say, the first uh, sequence for wheat. Uh, wheat genome is about five times larger than the human genome. Really? And it's also much more complex to handle because it has basically three copies, uh, three subgenomes within it, which makes uh, a challenge to actually um, piece it together in, in, a, in a correct way. And there was a big consortium, uh, an international one, that uh, was made in order to produce the same, the first reference sequence. Uh, that was walk, uh, walking for a few years uh, with a specific um, uh, method. And Energin was then commissioned to produce the first uh, um, uh, reference sequence uh, in parallel. And we've managed to do that within three months. And basically that same sequence that we've produced is now widely used by the entire um, wheat research and breeding community till this day. Uh, and uh, after that, we've done quite a few uh, more genomes, some even more complex than wheat. Um, and it's something that we have uh, been very proud of until today. That's quite uh, a responsibility, right? To to lay out the map for everyone to move forward. That's, that's, that's quite a challenge and, and congratulations that you were able to, to achieve that. L let me go down the GMO versus non-GMO rabbit hole for a second. Mm -hmm. So why has NRGN always stayed away from genetic modification? Well, NRGN primarily is about data and not about um, engineering of, of, of genomes. Um, 
I think we have stayed away because the large uh, uh, community besides uh, for certain applications has, regardless of the reasons, whether valid or not, decided to move away from it. So um, we are not, we are kind of agnostic uh, to that. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we believe that a lot can be accomplished through conventional breeding, meaning without any intervention um, of the genome. And also if you would like to do that intervention, you would be limited to certain applications that are um, favoring uh, creating something that is synthetic, that is not present in, in natural resource. In fact, it's you can actually get a lot, you can, you can achieve a lot by exploiting existing naturally occurring variation rather than trying to uh, play God, so to speak, and to create variation yourself. Uh, evolution has been working throughout um, a, lot of, a lot of time, creating a lot of very useful variation and um, um, deciphering those variations and then uh, using them to benefit uh, uh, food security, um, um, the environment, uh, con confronting with different uh, geopolitical uh, difficulties is something that is readily uh, applicable. And we, we and not only we, others also shown it to be very, very effective. Well, hey. The word perception is very important when it comes to the consumer, and the almighty words non-GMO seem to make everyone comfortable these days. Um, not everyone is a geneticist, and not everyone knows the realities of, of what could be possible through through modifying uh, genes, but you know, perception is certainly very important. Um, mm -hmm. what, what are the most common problems and challenges you are solving for your clients? So a lot of the times, um, I, I would say that, um, I, for example, customers that are not, their, their primary business is not breeding, meaning it's um, some, some type of uh, uh, processing or uh, production issues, then they can identify the fact that a certain issue that's painful, whether it being sustainability or efficiency or waste or other aspects uh, can be solved through better genetics, but they don't have the bandwidth uh, or the time to set up everything that's required to make genetics work for you. Uh, in those cases, we basically can uh, um, first have a talk uh, with, with, with such a partner or a customer, depending on the mode of business that we have, um, understand exactly what's needed and what sources of genetic variation can be used. And we can either consult or uh, provide services or even take the actual work upon ourselves to deliver something that's usable uh, to our partners. Excellent, excellent. Tell me about the last couple of years. Uh, uh... I would think that in a, a lab-driven business where things are always hermetically sealed to begin with, that COVID wasn't necessarily such a, a huge impact directly on you, but there, there had to be some ripples through the industry. Tell me about how you've been able to grow the business in the last couple of years. Yeah, so that's a very good um, 
A very good question. Um, I would say that primarily uh, we, we were a software and data company, meaning we, the effect of COVID on our business was not that um, big, although a lot of our customer base are, uh, and I, I don't think I need to tell anyone the fact that businesses is uh, usually uh, better held when you at least meet face to face once in a while. Uh, so that has been a challenge for us and also for many others. Uh, one thing that we have accomplished despite COVID is, uh, is the fact that really um, at the turn of the pandemic, we've actually um, uh, established our, our first um, hands-on um, wet lab facility. Uh, and that would in parallel imposed a, a few challenges, but we're very happy to, to see it progressing. I think nowadays a third uh, of our, or even more uh, than a third of our um, personnel is, is uh, employed at that site that was actually uh, founded uh, during uh, COVID. Um, I think uh, both the pandemic and also wars and other uh, situations have shown the entire world that food security uh, is, is an issue. And the, um, the global village where you were used to basically import commodities that are coming from natural resources uh, from all over the world, it was, it was taking a, a for granted and as a given, and it, it's now shown that it's not. Besides meeting production, which is, an ever-growing problem because of the human population. Also, those situations of either a pandemic or uh, the war in the Ukraine or other uh, occasions really show the fact that you need to be able to grow and to produce um, everything that you need and not to rely on a source that is um, very remote uh, from you. It's also not sustainable besides the fact that it, uh, it has uh, certain challenges. So I think this really plays into um, uh, what we've been saying all along that you can actually develop and adapt a lot of uh, uh, available genetics to be used in different applications. And we can do it very fast. Well, hey, um, it's, not, it's not hard to notice that the Israelis have always managed to adapt and be agile and do whatever's necessary, you know, to have flourishing um, vineyards and, and various crops in the middle of the desert is something that most people would think is not possible. And obviously, um, <laughs> the Israelis don't like the words not possible, right? Um, but I, I would imagine that, you know, our supply chain issues have been exposed to the point where your services are needed all over the world. You know, we just cannot rely on on ships getting to port in a timely manner. And, and with things like fruits, vegetables, and grains, there's a clock ticking. Uh, here in Los Angeles, we could see dozens and dozens of tankers and uh, cargo ships waiting to get to port in the, in the height of the pandemic. And my brain went to, that's not all electronics out there. There are perishable goods on those boats sitting there for an extra month. And, and that's untenable, aside from the, you know, the environmental impact of sending a giant uh, ship around the world just to get something. Yeah, no. So I, yeah. I appreciate what you do and, and uh, your, your 
you're helping the planet move forward, I would think. Um, tell me about how Energene has been able to get the story out so people know how to find you and, and, and do business with you. Um, so we have a website, www.energene.com. I think that would be the most uh, uh, common way uh, to get a hold of us. Although we are a pretty uh, small company, um, uh, the main thing is to uh, get the word out that we exist uh, and also a bit about what it is that we do. It's, some, it's sometimes a bit um, complicated to someone that's not from our niche, from our field, but, and I believe that people within our niche are uh, by now, uh, um, they know about us, they, they know of us, um, but we believe that our reach, our, the, um, the actual um, markets and uh, uses that we can contribute to are, are larger than the, you know, the uh, localized uh, um, uh, niche that we've been working uh, at for, for the last decade or so. What is something that you would like to be celebrating personally and professionally one year from now? Well, we have, I haven't uh, discussed specific projects that we are involved with. Um, um, so I can maybe use this as an opportunity to kind of uh, uh, give, give a taste. So um, we've been working a lot in tomatoes. Okay. A, a, year, a, a year from now, we would like to be in a position where there's actually uh, a tomato um, uh, brand or variety that you can actually buy and eat. I, I believe that we can be there uh, in a year's time. Um, we've also started to work in insects. Um, it, it, we hope to be in a position uh, in a year from now where uh, there's um, uh, a genetically adapted, well-adapted black soldier fly uh, insect that we have uh, developed uh, for a specific uh, use. Um, one thing that is closer to my heart, at least, um, we've been working a lot on the application of vertical farming uh, to feed uh, livestock oh. uh, instead of growing uh, uh, a whole field with a lot of land and water usage and uh, also um, some other limitations. Uh, we are working on developing uh, wheat and barley and other cereal, cereal varieties to be grown in vertical farming um, instances, uh, facilities close to where you grow um, dairy cattle, for example, uh, so that you can uh, provide better, safer, more environmentally friendly nutrition, uh, and therefore, uh, and also contribute to lowering the environmental impact, the negative environmental impact of of the livestock industry. Uh, so we hope to also have. Um, a wheat or barley uh, variety that is well adapted for that application uh, within that time. And we are also working in different organisms like canola and tomato on disease resistance. So okay. plants have diseases. Oh, yes. Uh, and some of them are devastating. And the search for 
um, naturally occurring resistance for different plant diseases is everlasting and we are developing such sources of genetic resistance, non-GMO again, uh, <laughs> in both canola and tomato. Uh, and we hope to actually be able to uh, provide that to the whole community, whoever is, is working in these, um, in these species also in actually less than a year's time in this case. Well, I, I truly, I thank you for your work. I mean, it's it's incredibly important. Um, we all know that uh, the natural resources are <laughs> are in flux, shall we say? Right? We've become aware of of lots of things going on on this planet, and, and people are like you are going to help us continue to thrive. And I thank you for that, Sharon Rykov. It's been fascinating having you here today. So please tell everyone again your URL where they can find the company and what social media channels your company is using these days as well. So uh, the URL is www.energine.com. There's also another um, uh, URL for our Canadian subsidiary, uh, which is uh, www.energinecanada.com. Um, and um, uh, social media, uh, we are active in LinkedIn. Uh, very naturally, we also have a Facebook and Twitter uh, account. And uh, besides that, we are very um, um, outgoing people. <laughs> uh, um, uh, if you reach out to us by any means, I'm pretty sure you would get um, a, a way to have a, at least an initial discussion with whether on investments, employment, and also uh, actual uh, projects, which we are always on the lookout for. Excellent. I wish you and yours and Energine all the best in the future because it can only be good for all of the rest of us. I thank you for spending some time with us today on Business Ninjas. Thanks you, Andrew. It was a pleasure. Hey, are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io, W-R-I-T-E-F-O-R-M-E.io, and schedule a time to meet with us, and we'll make it happen. Keep slaying it, y'all.